Welcome back to another episode of Direct Response Secrets. I have an absolute banger for you today. Uh, we had the privilege of having the David Bear on our podcast. If you don't know who David is, he is a veteran when it comes to all things direct response. Very smart marketer. Uh, he's helped a lot of people. He started in the theater business and then he worked his way up uh, to helping ad agencies and agencies and marketing professionals as a, as a whole. And the advice that he shares here uh, is very, very valuable. So if you find yourself owning an agency or working for an agency, you're going to absolutely love this episode. Now, this is being released on the 31st of uh, August. And guess what comes out on the 1st of September? You guessed it, my book. The book is Direct Response Secrets. Spend $1 on any advertising medium and make $2 back or more. So that's gonna be available. Please keep that in mind. I'm gonna be sending out a special email on the first when it is live and you can grab yourself a copy. It's gonna be amazing. I got additional bonuses and all these cool things. All right, let's talk to David and uh, let's get some value. All right, let's go. Welcome back to another episode of Direct Response Secrets. I have another amazing uh, marketing expert here for you today, David Bear. David, welcome to the pod, man. Hey, Zach. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you, brother. Okay, so we were talking a little bit off camera. Perhaps mm -hmm. you can give me uh, a little bit of, and the listeners, a peek into your journey into the marketing world. How'd you get started, my friend? So I started marketing back before this internet thing uh, really came about. Um, it was back in the mid-1990s. I was a marketer in the classical music and theater industry in New York. Um, I started out working as a stage manager, and then I found myself uh, wanting to have consistent paychecks. So uh, I became a, an arts administrator. And my job was all about how do you get butts and seats and how do you get theaters filled with, you know, um, events. And so my job was to market uh, either to rent the theaters to presenters or get tickets sold. And that's that was really my entree into marketing. And so much of the the stuff that I've learned over the years is directly related to the the stuff that, you know, the, the direct response gurus um, practiced and taught in very different disciplines than the performing arts, but I applied a lot of that to to the arts world. That's awesome. That's fascinating yeah. because uh, when you think of theater, you don't necessarily think of direct response, but I see the correlation. You still need it's still a business. You still need to fill the seats, yeah. and you got to get them in there. So I, I yeah. bet you got it's to, it's, uh, it's not like it's solving a a problem or something that somebody is you know struggling with that's keeping them up at night. But there there's ways to apply a lot of that. And and I have to say, I'll I'll give you the rest of my journey very quickly. Sure. I went from the wine from the the arts world into the wine world, where again. You're not really solving problems by you're, you may be creating problems by selling wine. <laughs> and then uh, uh, these days I'm I'm uh, in the in the world of supporting and helping marketing agency owners. Uh, and we'll get into a lot more of that in, yeah. in a few minutes. And, and you and I both know they need it. Right. There, there's a lot of stuff out there and they need the support. And being uh, someone who's built agencies himself having the right support can make the world of difference of success and not success. So yep, yeah, 100%. I could see it. It's quite a wide journey because you went from theater to wine to um, people running agencies and helping marketing professionals, but you can easily see that link. You were doing marketing each step of the way and each thing you probably learned a thing or two and brought that on to the next one with you. So that's super yep. cool. So you, you guys are the prepared group now. That's, that's your brand. That is the name of the company. I think we officially uh, changed from uh, Prepared Marketing, which was the agency that uh, we replaced back in 2018 and became the Prepared Group. Um, but but my business partner, Ken, uh, had the Prepared Marketing um, brand for a number of years. I was simultaneously running uh, a Facebook ads agency, and then we combined forces and started the Prepared Group around 2018. That's awesome. So how did you connect with Ken and what was that process like merging both your agencies together? Uh, it wasn't the intent to actually merge the agencies together originally. Um, he and I are both here in uh, Oregon. I'm in Portland. He's out in wine country. I was in the wine industry 
and my Facebook ads agency was serving wineries. He wanted to get into the wine industry in terms of a, a being a service provider. And so he sought me out and was, I think, trying basically to buy my business. Um, that was, I think, what he was pursuing. Uh, <laughs> and through through a little bit of exploration, we, we realized he does something that I hate doing, which is selling. Mm-hmm. I do stuff that he hates doing. Um, and it, that's a long list, so I won't even <laughs> go down that list. Uh, and so we we decided instead of um, the path that he wanted to go down, building out a wine industry um, department or, or subsidiary of his agency, that we would actually address um, solving a problem that we both recognized in the agency or marketing services world. Uh, and that's when we shifted direction completely and, and formed the prepared group. Wow. That's awesome. And what year was this? That was, this was uh, 20, 2018 or thereabouts is when when we started doing all of the um, marketing strategy focused work rather than um, tactical fulfillment activities, you know, supporting um, uh, marketing a business. Yeah, no, that's definitely. It's, uh, it sounds like, again, it sounds a little bit of a natural progression. You had things in yep. your businesses that you didn't quote unquote love and then same as him. And then you guys are coming together, making something beautiful, making it work. Um, I have not had as much luck with partners, but uh, I know they're out there and I know a lot of people can connect and, and build something great. I know you guys are doing that as well. Uh, tell me a little bit about your core philosophy of the prepared group and what does that yeah. look like for you guys? Because you guys are taking something, you had two separate things, put it into one, and I'm sure something totally different came out of that for you. What was that? I think so. So uh, I, I do want to say something about partners because Ken sure. and I uh, come from a very, very, very different world. Each of us um, has a very different worldview. Um, uh, you know, we are at the opposite ends of the spectrum on pretty much any topic you could think of. And one of the the tricks to our ability to work well together is to immediately acknowledge that. Right. That once we got that stuff out of the way, then we found the areas where we overlap, which which I'm going to talk about um, in in a moment. And that's what's allowed us to be very successful at what we do. So what is it that we agree on? Um, We believe that generally the way that marketing services are bought and sold in in at least in the North American culture, it's a broken system. And here's here's what I mean by that. When you sure. ask a business owner, what do you do for marketing? Immediately, they start thinking about specific tactics. And more and more so, you know, I said I started before the internet was a thing. They don't even think about what do we do in real life offline. It's immediately going to what do I do, you know, on a social channel, on a yep. search channel, um, and it's all digitally based. And I, I think that you'll agree, I see you nodding, that that's probably not the best place to start. You may end up there, but oftentimes the things that they think about uh, in terms of the marketing activities they're going to engage in are mm-hmm. informed by what they what they know, what they experience as a consumer or, and here's the 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 how it's sold part, because they are sold based on somebody who is specializing in a particular narrow area, a a specific channel or a specific tactic, most marketing is not sold by generalists, but by, you know, specialists in certain areas. And so we wanted to really sort of pull back and look at the broader view of what are we doing when we're doing marketing? We're not even doing the thing that most marketers tend to sell around, which is lead generation. We are focusing on how do you enhance the net revenue of a business? How do you make them more money? And what are all of the activities that you can engage in as a marketing service provider to help support your client's need or desire to bring more revenue in? Yeah, no, that's awesome, David. Um, I think that not enough uh, marketers focus on that net, uh, especially because they're trying to drive a certain result. I know running my agency, 
I was probably a year and a half in before I even really understand, start to understood where my money was flowing. And we were at 30% margin. And over time, I was able to get that to like 50% margins and 60% margins. But if you're not paying attention to that, it's going to cause you a lot of problems. And at the end of the day, as fun as marketing is, we're not doing this just to have a good time. Can you yeah. tell me a little bit about uh, your predictable uh, revenue framework and how that kind of uh, weaves into that world of, of generating that extra net profit? Sure. So uh, this is our version of a unique mechanism. Um, and, and I hope your listeners all know what that is. If they don't, they need to go get your book. Um, yes. But the, the idea is, look, this is our interpretation of a very commonly understood um, uh, concept. Uh, I think probably the most common term for it is life cycle, customer life cycle marketing, mm -hmm. um, popularized by Infusionsoft. A lot of this is based on Dan Kennedy stuff, a little Love bit Dan of Kennedy, Abraham man. stuff, and, and some other folks who have helped inform little pieces of it. But the idea is that there are different stages of the relationship uh, that a business has with its prospects and its, its existing clients. Mm -hmm. And understanding the different um, phases and then what you as the business can control around what's happening with that relationship, the communications, the experience, uh, all of the other activities that might be happening at each of these phases of the relationship, which will enhance and inform money coming into the business. And so we've very much looked at it as a system that when you build a process around each of these elements mm -hmm. in your business, you have much more control and understand and can predict based on what you put into it, what you're going to financially get out of it. Which seems very important in business. <laughs> like, it's the idea, but but you have yeah. to think about the way that so many businesses, particularly, you know, a small local business, yes. they are focused on the passion of what they do, or they are, you know, living, um, you know, on this roller coaster revenue thing. And we want to help them figure out how yes. do you build systems around getting money into the business so that you're not always Genius. either um, uh, behaving emotionally or reactive. That is the, uh, that piece right there being uh, emotionally reactive to that part. And it's hard not being uh, a little bit because being an entrepreneur, like you said, is, is like being on a roller coaster. Uh, you've had 10 ups and downs before noon on a good day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like having uh, somebody that can provide that direct path for you and show you that step-by-step -step process. Again, I just don't think people think enough about net margin because it, it's so important. Like it, it, it's the reason you're in business. And if you don't have systems and processes around that, uh, you're going to be in trouble. So I noticed on your website, uh, you turn marketing agencies and transform them, uh, transform them into trusted business advisors. Mm -hmm. What does that process look like? I know you, so you guys use the predictable revenue framework in order to accomplish that, but, but what sets uh, a marketing agency uh, apart from being, uh, or how do they become a trusted business advisor? Yeah. So I, I think this is what we originally did back in 2018 when we started doing consulting work in, in advance of doing the marketing work for a client. Hmm. We said, it's great that you want SEO. It's great that you want us to run Facebook and Instagram ads. Let's have a conversation about what that's really getting you and what you're actually looking for and see if that's the right thing to, to do to begin with, right? And when we spoke to clients this way, it turned into a consulting engagement for us where we then started to uncover lots of other things happening in the business that were not traditionally considered um, marketing activities, but yeah. informed marketing activities. So there might be things around you know, operations or administrative tasks or um, things like fi financial management. Here's an area that we got deep into that we never thought about pricing wow. strategy, mm -hmm. right? But it directly affects net revenue. So as we started doing consulting work, we built out a consulting process. Then we had this little pandemic thing that happened and Everything went online and like yes. like so many other businesses, we had uh, our own pivot. Our pivot there was that somebody approached us saying, I love what you guys are doing. 
we have a uh, coaching and consulting business all around the topic of systemization of operations in a business. And we have a little bit that we deal with on the marketing front, but not a lot. Really, it's just lead generation. Mm-hmm. And so this guy who was together with us in a mastermind um, happened to be in the position of uh, being a business partner of a guy named Michael Gerber. And he said, Very familiar with him. I'd love to talk about how we might be able to take your system, license it from you, and put it into our system. Wow. And that was sort of the beginning of a major shift in our business. Where it ended up is where we are today, which is that we are now training and licensing our core consulting process, which is really backed up by a, a lot of philosophy and a lot of other stuff yes. to marketing agency owners. And so this is the shift that you asked about originally, which yes. is we're moving agencies from service providers to trusted advisors because yes. they are being trained by us to get deeper into the inner workings of revenue generation within their client's business, not just the th- sort of traditional things that marketers get hired for. Yeah, no, that and that makes total sense. So how, uh, a little off topic here, but how did you end up with Michael Gerber's system? That is just so cool. Uh, and I've been reading his books for ages. Yeah. Uh, the E-Myth, the E-Myth Revisited, all of those. I remember being in my corporate job. I literally had uh, his book and it was like destroyed. I had read it so many times. I had all the corners folded. I'm like, we need to get employees and we're taking over the world. This is what I'm doing. So how'd you end up getting that strategy in into your business? And is that something that just happened naturally or? It was actually the other way around. So um, we oh, were in-, in a mastermind with a guy who was the uh, um, managing partner for, I think it was the... Michael Gerber Companies was the name of the the business. that, And so this is where he was the one who approached us and said, we'd like to take your stuff and put it into our our systems, our our training. I misunderstood that. So you put your system into his. That's that's awesome. I think the, uh, and that's the power of masterminds, right? Like you never know who's going to be in your mastermind, who you're going to be talking to, who's listening. And it's such a wide range of people, but- uh, that sounds like an amazing, uh, just proof that what you teach works. Um, and just to clarify your system, isn't so much like a done for you, but it's, you provide the overall licensing so that like all the systems and processes they need with teaching. Is that how that looks? Yeah. The basic, um, framework is a consulting process and we are, you know, the, what we license to them is the use of our consulting process. And there's all kinds of things like worksheets and, uh, you know, training on how you sell it and how you conduct the consulting. That's basically what we are licensing and training them on. What we discovered on the back end is that we thought we were just going to be, you know, handing this over to educated marketers who knew their stuff and they could run with it. Yeah. And we've discovered a lot of things about the, the marketing professionals who have licensed stuff from us, um, <laughs> uh, including that they, they are also typical business owners who need help. And so we have, yeah. um, you know, taken advantage of the relationship that we have to be able to help support the growth of their businesses in ways that we didn't really expect uh, when we were going into this. Wow. That's, that's so cool. So what I take away from that is essentially you're selling results or the ability for your marketers to get better results using your proven framework. Would that be correct? I would say yes for their clients and absolutely yes. for them, which is, yeah. which is because they're our main client. Uh, our focus is how do we create success around your own business? Awesome. That's going to not to quote Ronald Reagan necessarily trickle down to the benefits of the the, the client themselves. Let's go. That's awesome, man. Uh, I, I think that uh, if you're not getting results in for your clients, it's going to be very hard to grow your marketing business because that's the business you're in at the end of the day. You're, you're trying to get some results. Now, you mentioned you work with a, a wide variety of uh, marketing agencies. What were some of the common, uh, the common thread of mistakes that you found working with these individuals and uh, especially when they're trying to grow their business? What, what did that look like? I think agency owners are coming into this from lots of different places. Some of them were uh, classically trained in marketing, Mm -hmm. but most were not, right? And so there's a whole 
uh, range of people who, you know, may have either come up through old school advertising and then got into the agency world and focus really on the areas that they know best, which is putting ads out there and, and getting uh, activity around, you know, um, uh, paid investment, mm-hmm. but they don't know anything about areas of marketing outside of that, right? Then you have a lot of people who have come up through the how to start your own business online Mm -hmm. and understood how to market their own activity and then got sold or learned at some point, okay, how do you take these skills that you have and apply them to helping local businesses, right? So there's a whole bunch of people there who have the skills, they know how to um, navigate the AdWords or or Meta, you know, uh, ad platform, yeah. but they don't really understand a lot beyond that. So almost every marketer we've encountered in our program so far has a very narrow scope of what they know. They know their stuff really well, yeah. but they don't know the context around a lot of the activities that they're doing. So that's, that's where I think we find most marketers today. And Believe me, there are plenty <laughs> of exceptions to the rule that I've just laid out here. Sure. But it's it's something that we see commonly across the board with most marketers that we talk to. No, I, I think that makes uh, total sense because you don't know what you don't know, right? Until you yeah. know it. And um, it's funny because you will see a lot of marketers going to small businesses and say, hey, you're you're a baker or hey, you're a plumber. Let me do your marketing. But there's so many things inside that marketing business that they're not. They're not the finance guy. They're not the CEO necessarily. They're not. They've started for one reason. It's led them to realize, mm-hmm. wow, you got to grow and scale a business. And I think yeah. that opens uh, from personal experience a world of uh, of hurt and, and problems that you, you need somebody in there to help you uh, get that organized. So uh, we talked a little bit about uh, tactics over strategy. What do you? It's, the, it's the, the other way around, though. Yeah, you think? Oh, st- strategy has to come way before tactics. Yeah, For, yeah. but so this is what I get all the time, Zach. You know what? I want to make lots of money. What's what's the the Facebook hack that I can implement that will give me the ROAS? I'm willing to make as many ad sets as you want me to. <laughs> I'm willing to do yeah. all these things and. Uh, they haven't even thought about strategy. So what what are your thoughts on this uh, this obsession with the quick hack, the the quick button, the quick pill to get the result versus the long-term strategy? Well, some sometimes I, I, you know Ken, Ken often says the least favorite um, uh, prospective client who ever comes to him is the client who has, six weeks of you know money left in the bank before they're about to go out of business and were their last chance and and they just right. desperately need a, a win after a bunch of failed attempts yes. that is not a place that as a marketer we ever want to be no and and so i i would say you know as much as i'd love to help those people they're probably uh. not going to be helped very well right hundred percent. That, that's not a question that I that I feel has a reasonable answer. Now, I I can take some educated guesses and I can assess their situation and try to figure out based on the you know what they need to bring in and what resources or assets they have available financially or otherwise. Yeah. Um, what we can do to help them, but I'm already just by doing that taking a strategic approach to answering their question. I just, I cannot think no, tactically. Sad. I cannot, it's not, you know, I yeah. cannot give you a, a, a knee jerk answer to that. Yeah, this is it. And, and so I, as we mentioned before, I'm in the process of writing my book. So I didn't include any tactics until there's one chapter just filled of like little bullet points because people still want that. And uh, one of my biggest red flags for a client when I was running my agency is if they started the conversation off, well, this last agency just totally ripped me off. <laughs> I'm like, I gotta go. I gotta go. I'm mm-hmm. I'm absolutely getting out of Dodge. And I, uh, I do actually have an agency we're working with that is yes. positioned entirely around that. It's like, you know, how not to get screwed by your marketing agency <laughs> is the is this guy's leverage. Dude, it makes total sense because yeah. The, uh, I found that clients, when they really blame the other agency, nine times out of 10, if I did take them, I, they would just never do the work that they needed to do. And they were thinking very short term. 
and they're either out of business now, or, you know, they found somebody that made them a miracle. Uh, what I found when I was uh, building my agency is that I didn't want to end up running 30 or 40 businesses. You know, I just, instead of just doing my own thing mm -hmm. and that's what I ended up doing a lot of the time. So I think you really yep. have to draw that line of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, uh, especially when you're taking on clients. So uh, you've been doing this a very long time then, right? You, you make me feel old when you say that, but no, yeah. no, in a good way, in a good way. So I'm getting, I'm getting up there too. I, I am uh, 13 years from 50. I was saying this to my wife the other day and why do I still feel like I'm 15? Does that ever change David? Damn. Like <laughs> I got to say, I don't know when you're publishing this episode, but um, I'm uh, um, just over two months from 50. Oh, you, <laughs> not a day over 29. You're looking handsome, you my friend. You're looking handsome. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about your clients. All right. You, you're using a, this consulting process, right. For them. Um, how are you helping them, um, keep their clients longer? And is this something, this isn't a done for you. This is just your licensing thing, correct? Yeah, we, we basically, um, have minimized the direct client work that we do. We are, Beautiful. um, aiming to be a hundred percent supporting agencies and, and service providers, but we still have, you know, a couple of pet projects and a couple of things that are just too good to give up because we like of the course. income. Um, but I, I will say that the answer to the question about client retention for the agencies yes. is really all about how the um, relationship starts in the first place. Yes. Right? If you are the, strategic advisor to your client and not the Facebook ads guy love that you have a different value that you're delivering right so so simply by establishing a relationship differently from the from the start client retention is automatically increased now what do we do to really earn that retention yeah well the the program that we are licensing to our folks is a it, we we built it as a six month consulting process where you're getting deep into every freaking detail of the client's business and nobody has the knowledge bank deeply ingrained into their understanding of that client as well as you ever as you know you can't take that and then just, uh you know print it out and hand it off to another agency to to do that work at that point agreed and so that that's that's where we see the the benefit of starting with strategic planning is is that a you come into it from a different um, vantage point and so mm -hmm. the clients see you differently and then b you are so deeply involved in the next steps of that process that you can either do the fulfillment yourself as as the agency of record mm -hmm. or be sort of a fractional CMO or some something along those lines where you yeah. are directing what happens and who's responsible for helping them select the service providers for the things that you've decided together that you're going to be doing. Yeah, I, I see that fractional CMO happening quite often. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's a little bit different than actually doing the service for them. You're still sure. in there. You're just allowing them to see what they can't see. And uh, most businesses can't afford that CMO. I think that makes total sense. Um, as far as some key questions that agencies should be asking their clients, uh, but often don't. Like, so what are some things that um, our agencies that are listening could start asking their clients to better qualify them so they don't end up with, uh, you know, chargebacks and pulling their hair out in in uh, in a couple of months or the same month depending on the type of client you're dealing with <laughs> it sounds like you're familiar with that routine um I've, I've never seen that <laughs> what me never a chargeback oh it's only so i i would say that the the types of things that first you want to you know vet the 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 client in terms of like what they're ultimately aiming to do yeah. and if they if they either cannot or will not express a broader goal aside from the the one narrow thing that they think that they're hiring you for mm -hmm. there's probably a red flag because they're not going to be that open um or transparent in terms of you know what they're doing in their business that's going to support you the agency's efforts on their behalf that 100%. that's just not going to be a good relationship um going forward uh and then the, the other things that I think are helpful to be asking at the very beginning 
are, you know, I know that you're looking for this, but could we have a broader discussion yeah. so that we understand whether this is actually the right thing? Because we we're here to ultimately help you succeed. And then that broader discussion is, I think, a diagnostic discussion, the the mm-hmm. the way that you know a doctor would do, looking at the 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 prospective client from a bunch of different angles yes. to help them determine whether what what the best you know course of action may be. No, I, I think that makes total sense. You have to have a very selective approach on who you work with, and, I, and I, that seems to make uh, a lot of sense. What I found is results play a huge part in that. If you, even if you have the best client in the world and you guys have the best relationship, if you're not driving the end promise and results, that's going to impact your overall business. Have you seen the same thing with your agencies that you're working with? Yes. And (laughs) the result that we're, we're teaching them to promise is a very different result than I think the client is initially looking for, right? If the client comes in the door looking for uh, an uptick in leads or an uptick in revenue in Mm -hmm. in the first 30 days and our clients, the agencies are effective at saying, all right, let's discuss that goal and maybe redefine it for a a longer term goal. And we can figure out what we can do immediately, but let's look at this from a different angle. If their if their client is on board with that approach, then they are achieving those objectives. We've yes. just redefined what those objectives are. I love that. So essentially, you reposition the conversation into that uh, to their end goal and allow them to see the value and benefit that you truly bring because they're focusing on the wrong metrics to begin with. I think that's a great way to say it. Yeah. Cool, man. I, I think that makes sense. Now, and you're going up against a lot of these, uh, what are your thoughts on these uh, scale your agency overnight gurus coming from, you know, like standing on the soapbox, 10X or what is the best uh, I always get? Uh, could you use three to five meetings in the next th- seven days? <laughs> That's what I get in my DMs every single day of my life. Yeah. What What do you think the impact they're having on the industry is? Is it a positive? Is it a negative? Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, this is a, a lot of the folks who I think I was talking about before who came into marketing services because they were doing something else, right? They had uh, an eBay business or an Amazon business or a print-on-demand T-shirt Forex. business. <laughs> yeah, Forex, right? All, all of these other things that um, gave them a certain skill set. And so the the pretty standard formula, although there's lots of variations on this theme, is all you need to do is learn how to sell through our system, and then we'll show you how to outsource all of the, the fulfillment to somebody in Pakistan or the Philippines or that's easy, Nigeria right? or wherever. <laughs> and and some of those services are exceptionally good. But yes. as, I, as I have continued to say here, narrow, too narrowly focused. Yes. Right, and they're not necessarily serving their client to the best of the ability. So I don't have anything bad to say about the services or the training themselves of of some of these gurus. Yes, now, the way that they sell and the and you know their their general um, messaging, I I quibble with a little bit. Yep. But what they're selling and the quality of what some of these folks who who have businesses where they have you know hundreds or thousands of clients and a um, sort of well-oiled machine mm-hmm. that's working on behalf of those clients, that's perfectly fine, but it's too narrowly focused, I think, for the benefit of most of their clients. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. I, and you keep going back to like, it's so narrowly focused and I've never really thought of it that way, but it's a hundred percent true because how can you take like the old business in a box and then make that work for everything that you're going to do moving forward? It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> And uh, where I'm at in my journey is, is funny enough is that I used to take, I've taken pretty much every course you can possibly get your hands on, read every single book and all the masterminds. And I used to take everything verbatim and I would try it and it wouldn't work a lot of the time. I was like, why isn't this working? Until I realized that I have to sprinkle myself in there and I have to put my own thoughts, my own perspective in and really build that up. So I do think there's a place for these gurus, especially if you're first starting out and I'm going uh, after beginners uh, as well. But what I want to do is empower them to think. If I can get them just to think, 
everything gets a little bit easier because I don't want them to go and do, I do have a system for them, but if they do everything I say, they're probably not going to get the result because they're not me. So they need to be able to think and have an open mind. Um, it's absolutely crazy. So you were doing a lot of stuff offline before you got online. Now there's like, it's never been easier to reach somebody. And there's so many different channels. How do you direct that when you're speaking to your clients? Do you tell them to be omnipresent and go everywhere or do you niche down? What does that look like? And what are your thoughts on this uh, omnipresent uh, trend that we're seeing? Yeah, I, I think it all goes back to the the core question that we are having our agencies ask their clients, which is what are you ultimately trying to do and and then figure out the best path there. So mm -hmm. omnipresence, omnichannel, I don't really care uh, because I care what's most appropriate to reach the goal. And so if, yes. if you look at the circumstances of the business, this, this is the point that you were just making about, right? Don't, don't take the recommendation verbatim. And, you know, there's, there's these guys out there who are selling courses on how to be everywhere and how to, you know, continue yeah. the conversation um, from one channel to another channel to another channel so that, you never that that prospect never forgets about you. Well, that can be very helpful. Yes, but how appropriate is it for the local dry cleaner that that you know or or the the you know the, the wellness uh, you know practitioner or the for sure you know the whatever sure. it might be the 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 steel manufacturing plant. I, those all have very different ways to to sell within. The environment that they're in and so i think it's really much more a question of who are who are the clients that you're serving as a marketer and yes. who are the people that they are aiming to serve in their business and where are they most likely to be receptive to a marketing message mm -hmm. uh and hopefully <laughs> be receptive to a marketing message in a place where they're not seeing the same message from everybody else who is is a competitor of that business hundred percent, hundred percent. And I've been guilty of trying to be quote unquote, omnipresence is very hard. You're like one platform done well, takes a lot of time and energy. Even if you have, I've had the Instagram person, I've had the Facebook person, I've had all the people in place and to keep all of that organized is, uh, terribly challenging and keeping the message on point. And we had all the systems and all the processes. And what I found is that maybe we got a little bit more like professionalism or top of uh, funnel awareness, but overall it didn't drive a huge amount of growth. What really, I, there was one channel that was working really well. Uh, we had a secondary channel that we started using, finally found that was working well. So we had those two channels and we we're just going back and forth through there. I couldn't handle more channels than that, yeah. and especially at the team and the size that I was at. So the, the dry cleaner, right? Like they're going to be doing TikToks and then posting on Facebook and then doing tweet. Like it just doesn't make sense. You nailed it right there. Find where your target market is and just go all in on them. And uh, if you can get the advantage of nobody else advertising there, hey, all the better. Uh, what does Kennedy call that? He calls that... Uh, Oh, uh, out, out of category, I think is something like that. Something like out, that. Out yeah. of category advertising, I think is what he calls it. Yeah. So you're just, you're in your own yeah. lane and nobody else is there. Uh, he tells a story of the, uh, uh, the horse show and the guy selling yeah. the fine jewelry because <laughs> everyone's in there buying the horse and, uh, they feel guilty that they've been there all day. So they buy their wife a big piece of, of jewelry, which, you know, Hey, if it works, it works. <laughs> if it converts, it converts, Yep, which is cool. All right, so let's talk about uh, your personal journey again. Um, okay. Like entrepreneurship, there's all these ups and downs to you. And, and it sounds like you guys are absolutely crushing now. And obviously it didn't start that way. If if you were looking back, uh, what is the most uh, rewarding part of your journey that you've been through thus far? Kind of instill our listeners uh, with hopefully some hope <laughs> and uh, some optimism uh, about their own journeys. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure how best to answer that because you you peppered in there sort of the um the question of of where we are currently in our journey at the prepared group 
and yes. we're still figuring stuff out. Like we we are sure. um we're now two years into licensing, right? We were mm-hmm. doing this ourselves for the first two years and then started licensing it in 2021. Um, and we've had to make a bunch of mistakes and learn from those mistakes. And and I gotta say that you know, embedded in the negative is actually the positive. The the rewarding stuff Always. is I when you that. discover something from screwing something up, right? Oh, that. now I get it. And then you're able to actually <laughs> succeed and you and you do so with a big smile on your face. Yes. And we're doing a lot of that right now in our own business. Yeah, that, that's, that makes total sense. And I think that we get deflated as human beings in general, not just entrepreneurs, when something doesn't go our way. And the one thing that makes, uh, in my opinion, entrepreneurs a little bit different is that we're willing to take it a lot longer than most people. Mm-hmm. Like we're able to be wrong a lot a lot more. And if I look back at my, uh, my career, I was wrong so many times. So they, they, they gave me the answer so many times. I just wasn't willing to listen to it. (laughs) It's like, Zach, try this, Zach, try this. And I still was like, no, this is the way, this is the way, this is the way, but eventually I got it and I was able to hold on to it. So I think those are, uh, some valuable words. And I think that makes sense. Look for the positive in that negative because it's there. Right. And it's going to happen regardless if, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you're building your business. Anyways, that was great. I like that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, a success story. If you're open to this, are you, is it able to share a success story that you have uh, that you've increased some uh, net revenue after somebody's working with you? Because I get a lot of uh, emails and questions, people asking, okay, that's great, but how does that apply to my business? And would this work for ABC? So if you could give yeah, us there's, example, there's, that would be cool. There's a couple I'm trying to think of. Uh, so we have, we have agencies at, at all different sizes. Um, we have a, a several sort of solo practitioner um, marketing consultants, right. Who do whatever uh, they, they get hired to do mm-hmm. and all the way up to our largest agency, which is uh, somewhere in the 40, 40 plus people on staff. And they have just short of 500 um, clients mm-hmm. and they specialize in the dental niche. They were building out websites, SEO-centric websites for dental offices uh, around um, the U.S. and had, you know, sort of a standard recurring revenue model uh, month over month. It was um, something like, I don't even remember what the numbers were, um, twenty or $30,000 in, in um, new recurring revenue on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. When we started working with them, it took a while because they had a lot of uh, things happening in their business. And you can imagine a, a an agency that size changing sure. some of their systems and, and practices um, took us nearly a year to integrate our philosophy and our stuff into their, um, their world. But wow. the big shift that we made with them was that they, we're able to start focusing on um, on uh, uh, I'm trying to remember that what the what the term is dental something uh, implants no dental something organizations which are basically umbrella okay. organizations okay. Um, that DSO I think is what it's called oh, D- dental service yes. organizations is what yes. I think it stands for and they have a bunch of uh, dental practices underneath correct and so yes. so what we were able to help them do was move that new revenue from you know twenty or thirty thousand dollars in, in new revenue on a monthly basis yeah. to we, we were over a hundred thousand dollars on that first acquisition and then like Let's almost go. almost two hundred thousand dollars on that next acquisition That's and we realized right. okay there's a way to scale this and systematize the um the the strategic thinking and these folks in these organizations actually appreciate it more yeah. Because they're trying to figure out how to standardize and systematize stuff across all of these these different practices. So that was a huge, huge win for for um, for that agency and um, and got us really excited about it. The other end of the spectrum, we've got a one one person agency who who um, Ken just taught them one uh, tactical approach to how to sell differently. And they went out right right after our onboarding call. I think seventy two minutes. I think was the number uh, after they finished the onboarding. They made yeah. a, a a sale for you know four figure sale for a um, a deep dive needs assessment. Let's go. Let's go. There's nothing better than that. Uh, yeah. Even from the consulting side, you you give somebody the information, they go out, they execute, and you're just like, yes, this is why I do what I do, dude. 
That's phenomenal. You guys are kicking butt. And the uh, on the dental side, I've, I've uh, I had a buddy who did uh, lawyers, and he did the same thing, the the same approach, going into those. Uh, larger organizations. And once you had one, he built websites and he built websites for every single person, uh, all the lawyers. And then he would just say, Hey, I built so-and-so a website and they're part of this. Would you want yep. one? And it, it worked so, so well. Uh, that's awesome. So what's next for prepared group? Uh, do you guys have any upcoming initiatives or what are you guys working on now? Where are you taking this bad boy? Well, I think now that we have kind of figured out what we're doing, right. It's taken us a couple of years to get the, uh, get the training, the onboarding, the um, getting the, our folks who have signed on with us. And we're at 30, I think it's 32 licensees at the moment. Um, for you, man. We, and, you know, having made the mistakes that we've made in, in trying to get them up in training and, and moving, yep. we now know what works. We, we know a lot more about what doesn't work. <laughs> um, we're now in a position where we're scaling that up and, and bringing in more uh, new licensees at a, at a higher volume um, because we're now in a, in a comfortable place that we know that, that we're going to um, help them achieve the success that, that we're promising. And, um, and so that's, that's our that's new awesome. initiative, which is pretty much the same thing we've been doing all along. Dude, that, that that's totally awesome. If uh, one of our listeners wants to get involved with you guys in any way, what's the best way? Through your website? Yeah, the website is probably a good place to, to understand our program a little bit more deeply. It's thepreparedgroup.com. Again, it's the, the is part of the name. So thepreparedgroup.com. Okay, I'll put, I'll put all the links below anyways in the show notes and, and get them organized. Uh, I want to do a little bit of a rapid fire with you. Sure. You down? Okay. All right. So I was thinking, um, uh, this question I get asked all the time on what book somebody should read. So as a marketer, what book should a marketer read? And this is a loaded question because if you look at my bookshelf behind me, there's a hundred. What's what's your go-to answer? So I'm going to give you a a kind of non-traditional answer. And because I I revealed my background earlier when I said that, you know, I started out in the theater business and there's a couple of great non-marketing books yes. about um, about people from show business, which are really all about marketing, right? And the the, the first one is um, from the guy who was like a, a theater critic for the New York Post or the New York Daily News named Howard Kissel. And he wrote a book about uh, a Broadway producer named David Merrick, who was an awful person, um, but an amazing marketer. And the show, the the book is called "The Abominable Showman." Oh, that's a great title. And and I I just absolutely love that book because it shows you um, the amazing things this guy did. Um, and, and I don't know how we're we're way over time already, but I want to tell one quick story about uh, about sure. David Merrick, if I may. Sure. Um, a few weeks ago, I wrote uh, in my in my weekly email about a uh, a company, a cereal company in the UK right now called Surreal Cereal. Um, this campaign that they've been doing uh, where they have quotes on their their posters all over the UK yep. um, from people who um, love the cereal who happen to have famous names. <laughs> they don't happen to be the celebrities who share these names. They just happen to be everyday That's people. So funny. That's so so funny. David Merrick did this back in the 1960s. He had a show that he produced called Subways Are for Sleeping. Um, where it got pretty bad reviews. And he went out and found um, people who lived in the New York metro area with the same names as all the critics, gave them tickets to see the show uh, in exchange for a positive quote about the show. And then he (laughs) ran full page ads in the New York Times, you know, saying that this person said this about the show and they were all the names of the critics with their photographs. So if you knew what the critic looked like, you would know that it wasn't actually the critic. Oh my goodness. That's absolutely hilarious and evil genius at work right there. Because they're probably going to be like, I didn't say that. I'm going to sue you. And he's like, actually, (laughs) it has nothing to do with you. It's this guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so good. And so, so along similar lines, one more book that I'll recommend, which is um, by a guy who's known in the marketing space. Um, His name is Joe Vitale. And he wrote a book about P.T. Barnum called There's a Customer uh, Born Every Minute. And that's a really, really good book. Love it. I have the audio book. I listened to it. Great choice. So good. Joe is is, is amazing. And P.T. Barnum, you could just get lost in his world of excitements and uh, the way he advertises. Like he says, it's a big show. Great. Great recommendation. Uh, if you could give one piece of advice to a marketing agency, what would it be? 
think strategically. Nice. <laughs> I love it. Uh, what is one quote unquote, not, it can be strategic, but trick that is overrated in your opinion? Oh, uh, trick. I mean, look, I, I think anything that is overly, overly reliant on um, the technology hacks that we have right now, yes. um, we've seen so many things come and go on the technology um, that is owned by third-party platforms. Like yes. so much stuff that I used to do as a Facebook advertiser that I can no longer do anymore because they've taken those rights away. Yes, That's, that's a really bad place for you to be when you're marketing either your own business or on behalf of a client uh, where you don't have the control over it because it's just, it, it, you know, you're, you're taking advantage of a hack that may be taken out, you know, the rug may be pulled out from under you. Yeah. And that's the worst feeling. I had the yeah. exact same experience. What is one marketing trick that you think is underrated? Well, I don't think this is a trick, but niching, sure. niching, niching as narrowly as you possibly can. I can give you a hug. I, <laughs> I talk to so many people and I mean like at least five a day or more. And one of them always says to me, being a new entrepreneur, my product is for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, literally in my book, I talk about that because I think it's so important. And I went through that with my journey. Did you find that with your business? The second year, like, this is who I truly serve. And when oh, I, in, yeah. everything changed. 100%. I was totally resistant to doing it. And then one yeah. day I finally got bullied into it. And I said, okay. And I bought a website, advisorinbound.com. And I was serving financial advisors when I did this. Yeah. Suddenly the phone started ringing like all the time. <laughs> You're like, this is great. It, nothing yeah. changed except for niching down. I think that is definitely underrated. And I don't know who, I think it's just because it's counterintuitive, but there's a group of people, I don't know who they are, but they're pushing the other narrative that you need to go wide and help as many people as possible. I like to think of like, not just industries, but I also like to think of pain points you can really niche down on. Like there's a lot of mindsets you can niche down on. Uh, I, I think it just makes sense uh, altogether for better marketing. Okay, so uh, if anybody wants to connect with David, you got to check him out at thepreparedgroup.com. The link is down below. Any thoughts or final wisdom you'd like to leave with the listener today? I think I have provided all the wisdom that my brain contains at this point. Um, no, Tons I, of gems. I, 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 Tons I, of I gems. Think, <laughs> I think the, the points um, have all been shared. Uh, thinking more broadly about what marketing actually um, impacts in a business is I think that the one takeaway that I hope people think about, it's not about the activity of getting people coming in the front door of a business that you're really impacting, but rather the the overall goals of the business, the bottom line financially, that may, maybe the culture that they're trying to create, so yeah. many other things beyond what, you know, the, the specific individual mechanism of the marketing activity. And um, and and if more marketers think about it that way, uh, I think you'll end up with better relationships with your clients and uh, and have greater impact with uh, the work that you're doing for your clients in the long run. Amazing. David, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, Zach, this has been fun. Thank you for having me. Wow. Right? Like the knowledge this man has, he's essentially condensing decades into an hour for you and uh, talking about how to vet clients, how to do all these great things. It's absolutely amazing. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode because I definitely enjoyed bringing it to you. And if you did enjoy it, please take a second to comment, like, subscribe, show us some love. The more love we get, the more better guests I can have on here for you. And the more you can learn for absolutely free. I appreciate you. Have a wonderful day and I'll see you in the next one. Peace.